Welcome to What the Fun Podcast with Kimmy, Kisa, and Renee. Glad you can join us as we explore all aspects of entertainment and current events with industry professionals, friends, and us. Welcome. Hey guys, how's it going? Here we are, episode 17 kick off of a beginning of a new year 2021 hello and welcome 2021 yay we made it we made it through 2020 everybody congratulations <laughs> Woohoo! We did it. <laughs> we now did let's, it. See, let's see how this year rolls out hmm. so how do you guys feel about the new year is this something that you guys look forward to as far as like new year's resolutions a brand new start a new uh opportunity to like start yeah. over or is it just like continuum of the the next thing no i like i've always loved new year's it's because not for like a new year's resolution because i think people don't really keep them like oh, we I don't, don't follow through i never follow through yeah, i always I say my resolution's gonna be this and it i just tend to plummet after day three so <laughs> i think because i think the important thing is like setting like small goals so that you can actually get to the big goal. Not just saying, on January 1st, I'm going to go to the gym five days a week. I'm going to only eat salad. No one's going to do that. Like, like, no one's going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Well, it's not like we could anyways because the gym, the gyms are closed, you know. Or so. just like workout or exercise. Yeah. You're not going to do that five days a week. And you're not only going to eat salad. So let's yeah. all stop acting like we are because we're not. Keep it real. Um, I love it. I love it. <laughs> but like actual like goals that you will keep, like drinking more water. Hmm, That's like okay. a goal that is healthy, that leads mm-hmm. to healthier lifestyle. That's not outrageous. And you will actually, you can actually do that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. That's a very reasonable and achievable goal. I support mm-hmm. that. I support that. Hmm, let's see for me. I know I'm going to say ease up on the snacks, but that's impossible. <laughs> but maybe maybe yours could be like switching out cuz I snack all the time, but it could be like oh. switching out snacks for More healthier green. options. Yes, like yeah. snap peas or snow peas. Snow peas those are like the thicker, crunchier um mm-hmm. Yeah. Snappies, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's like that's really it. I know I'm never gonna stop snacking. So like, <laughs> why am I gonna act like I'm gonna do that? <laughs> Give me it real. Give me it real. <laughs> that's what it is. It's keep it real. Keep it real. Be real with yourself because let's let's be real. <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> um, last year, what I did was I did a, a vision board, and it was very. I loved it because it was the first time I ever did it. And I always had an issue with doing it because, again, it seemed like goals. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, oh, travel to Hawaii, buy a house, whatever these images are. And I couldn't do it even when I was looking through all the magazines trying to put this thing together. Yeah. The words were screaming out at me like uh, renewed, progress confident, equal pay, you know, things like that, that I was like, I'm passionate about these things and I want to continue being passionate about them and maybe gain some confidence, maybe gain, you know what I mean? And like, that's what I I ended up doing for my board. And I have to say that it helped 
keep me a little bit more grounded throughout the mm-hmm. year. And also, I think that's what helped like be like, hey, guys, we have to do this podcast. Hey, guys, like, let's keep, you know what I mean? Because otherwise, I, I think I would have been lost, especially considering the year that we had, you know, mm-hmm. everything was stripped away from us. Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. If anything, yeah. I think I'd like to use this year to clean shit up, you know, let's start with my room. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And then just, you know, pick things up, bring structure back into my life because this whole quarantine business and not being in work just made me kind of like, you know, a little offline, I guess. So. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, what are you guys looking forward to in this new year? I think you put it the best, Kisa. You uh, posted something on New Year's Day, I think it was. Which is like to the effect of, and I'm I'm not quoting you at all. <laughs> this is like what I gathered was like we we planted the seeds last year and put in the work, and now it's time to make these things come true. So it's kind of like we were present in the time because we were forced to be in many ways, but like yeah. now this year is putting all that work that you the the ground that you've laid out you know, and then start moving forward. So I, I don't know if that's anything close to what you said, but that's what I gather. So can you tell the listeners what you said? Because it's probably more clear than what I just said. No, I think, I think, I think what you said is right. But also this is just the key to Cohen follow me on Instagram. Yes. (laughs) At Kisa Ross. (laughs) Because I'm inspirational, everybody. (laughs) It's not true. Um, No, I think that was it. I mean, like, the year was kind of, you know, like, we've said it over all of the episodes of our podcast. Normally, we're very busy. I know I am usually very busy, always going around from place to place. Mm -hmm. And then last year, I have literally been in my home for nine months. Like, I have gone to the grocery store. (laughs) That's like the exciting moment of my day. And that's really it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So what a different life (laughs) to live (laughs) when usually my day is so full from six o'clock in the morning until 8 8 p.m. And then you go to sleep and do it all over again. So, you, you know, I just had to take a second. And that's what I think the year was about. I know it was very difficult for so many people and so many of our colleagues and friends, mm-hmm. you know, but it still is like important to see, to take that year as a blessing in disguise. Maybe mm-hmm. it was good to reset some intentions for yourself. Maybe you weren't going down the path that you wanted to go down and you were just mm-hmm. doing it because. You were doing is, it. You were on that path. Your job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But maybe you're like, I don't really want to do that job. So you had last year to kind of take that time hopefully you took some time to self-reflect maybe you didn't maybe that's this year for you I don't know but (laughs) that's it now it's time you know we're in this new year to not forget the lessons that you learned in last year absolutely and really every year (laughs) it's it's just a continuum it's just you know it's way of uh putting a 
a bookend to something, right? And saying like, this is a close of chapter 2020. Right. Now we're starting chapter 2021. But it's still a continuum. It's still the same story, you know. So it's just how are you going to apply or what other opportunities are going to come. And then you're just going to put that book in, you know what I mean, at the end of it. So it's hard for me to be like, oh, it's a new beginning, a new, a new opportunity, even though it is that opportunity. So it's good to to take it as such and be like, well, what am I going to change? You know what I mean? Keep that on the forefront. I do that too for my birthday. Like uh first day of my birthday I'm like okay so I'm uh 40 whatever new what's gonna happen okay. <laughs> so and uh do we have any intentions for what the fun like what do we think about this podcast definitely I think it'd be great to get some ideas um you know what other things would you guys like to hear you know in addition to our awesome guests who have joined us from the uh, entertainment industry what other topics would you like us to cover even with our cubicle chats you know, so feel free to drop us a line. Go to our website at www.rikikiproductions.com and leave us a message under the comment section. We always check our inbox, so feel free to drop us a line. Yes. Looking forward to this year. And somebody who's been very busy during the quarantine and also setting a lot of, what is it, seeds? <laughs> <laughs> Planting seeds. Doing a lot of seeds. Planting seeds and laying out the groundwork or whatever you want to call that has been our next guest who she mentions during the interview how during COVID she actually got more work. So it's very exciting. And she's been working for a long time now. Mm-hmm. We're speaking of Jolene Purdy, who is has done a lot of things. A whole lot, a whole lot. Well, here let's 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 uh, talk about our awesome guest. Joining us today is an amazing actor who has performed on stage, film, and television. She has performed, or not performed, but appeared on numerous TV shows such as Boston Public, Breaking Bad, Judging Amy, ABC Family Comedy Series, Ten Things I Hate About You. Uh, Raising Hope, but you all might know her from Netflix's original series, Orange is the New Black, which, by the way, ladies, is one of my favorite Netflix shows, and also coming soon on HBO, The White Lotus. Oh, 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 and one more. She is currently working on a new show called WandaVision that'll be coming soon to Disney+. Plus. So, um, I'm doing early right now. Busy lady. Busy lady. Big time. Big time. Busy, busy, busy. busy. She's busy and such a sweetheart, such a sweetheart. I can't wait. And she's a mother. So (laughs) without further ado, please welcome to our show, Jolene Purdy. Yay. Hi, Jolene. Hi. I'm just in um, my amazing hotel room uh, quarantining. So yeah. (laughs) Where is this hotel located? (laughs) Maui. Yes. Of all places to be quarantined, Maui. I love it. I'm jealous. (laughs) I know. It's honestly like I'm doing like a quarantine sunset series that I hope to post because like being stuck here with like an ocean view of the sunset every night. I'm like, I really should probably take pictures every night. Like I'm not doing anything else. So (laughs) So, uh, for our listeners, you are quarantining because you're on set. You're actually working. You're on a project right now, correct? Yeah, it's crazy. I've done more projects in the time of COVID than like before. Not like <laughs> literally, but like I feel like I've worked a lot in COVID now. 
Um, so I, I'm shooting a limited series for HBO called White Lotus. Um, and I don't know when it's airing cause we haven't even like wrapped it. I really hope we wrap it soon so I can go home, but, um, I'm having a blast. <laughs> Everyone here is like, ah, uh, like dream come true people to work with. Oh, Molly Shannon, Jennifer Coolidge, Steve Zahn, like it, just crazy, crazy, talented, funny, funny ladies. Like, uh, so good. I can't wait. <laughs> So how did you get into, tell us a little bit more about Jolene. Like, how did you get to where you are now? I mean, here on set in Maui, other than riding the airplane. <laughs> so I started when I was like two years old. My mom tells me the story. I was, I climbed up on this like little rocking chair thing, learned how to turn on the TV by myself, pointed to it and looked back and told my mom, I want to do that. <laughs> So that's kind of when I started wanting to do entertainment. Um, But my mom was raising me as like a single mom. So she didn't have like the opportunities to like send me places, take me to auditions, working full time. But we found a theater when I was in like second grade that had rehearsals on Sundays. So she could. Mm. So I started doing children's community theater in second grade. And my first professional musical theater show was in fourth grade. I like, I think I got like a $300 check and I thought I was rich, like so rich. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And then um, just kind of kept doing regional theater as I could. Um, And then I was doing a musical theater class with an agent who I asked to represent me and she refused because she said, you're ethnic and plus size. It's never going to happen. Um, but then she called a year later with a perfect audition for a plus size ethnic person. <laughs> and um, I booked it. It was Donnie Darko, my first ever audition for anything on camera. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So how old were you? Um, I was, well... <laughs> if I tell you how old, then you can like do the math and then, and then you'll realize I'm old. Um, <laughs> I was in high school. Okay. I was still in high That's school. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was, it was early on ish. I was actually playing the age that I was supposed to be, which is something I haven't done in a long time. Like I'm like waiting to age and like get to play like the fun sitcom mom. And, mm-hmm. um, I think I'm getting close though. I'm excited. <laughs> well, that's interesting that you're waiting to get to the age. Like how, how has age affected your career? Like how has that? Uh, I feel like I auditioned for Greece so many times and I thought like I'm the age, but they would always cast people in their twenties. Mm-hmm. So then I got into my twenties. I was like, I'm the age. And then they were casting people in their thirties. And I was like, this is, this, this is wrong. <laughs> um, and then I was, um, I was doing like ABC family teen Nickelodeon shows. And I was, <laughs> I was pounding five hour energies to try and play 16 at ever so much more than 16 um, till I finally hit an age where I was like, I can't, I can't like, I, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. I don't, I don't have the energy and I definitely don't look like my co-stars. <laughs> so I took like a year, it took like a year to not work to like age up to play in my twenties. You've got that gene, you know, where Asians don't raisin, you know, yeah. <laughs> 
cheeks. I think it's the cheeks. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. There's like, there's certain actresses that I've gone through like the same auditions with and they're 10 years older and they're always the ones that book it. And I'm like, oh, I'm just 10 years too young. Um, but then I, I'm the right age and the right whatever for whatever role ends up working. And mm-hmm. I've loved every project that I've gotten to work on. So I wouldn't change it, you know? Yeah. So I know you've been busy doing a lot of film work, but do you ever miss performing on stage? Uh, oh my gosh. So much. I downloaded a karaoke app because I've been in quarantine. So my co-stars are probably walking by my room like that chick is crazy. (laughs) Jacqueline Hyde, like just all of the big power ballads. Like I'm like, there's a balcony. I should be singing Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. (laughs) But um, yeah, I do. I do miss it. I've done like a couple little cabaret situations. Um, I've done a couple auditions, um, but nothing's really like landed in the theater world for me for a while. And it's so, it's so weird because you feel like you're doing kind of the same thing, but they're like different lands. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, like fantasy land is definitely not tomorrow land and like how to like, mm keep one foot in each land is like, it's hard. It's hard to navigate. Yeah. What would you say that transition was like going from theater to film or to being on TV? Like, what was that like for you? Chaotic. (laughs) (laughs) So, so how like the transition happened was, um, I was working at Disney in Aladdin, uh, twirling banners And, um, I booked a world premiere musical at the Pasadena Playhouse. So I was working six days there while going on my off day and doing Aladdin. Mm -hmm. And then I booked a pilot. So -hmm. now I was like juggling all three. So 2000 seat theater versus 800 seat theater versus multi-camera sitcom. And it was like so uh, much. so much at once, yeah. um, but I loved, I loved it. And I was young. I was so young. <laughs> um, so I like could do it all. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at my paychecks, like I'm going to do it all. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's how it happens. Like everything at once and then nothing. Um, so I feel like I just, multi-camera was a great way to segue in because it is an audience. Mm-hmm. And, you, and it's just a little bit more real because your players are right there. So you don't have to play for 2000. You just play a little bit closer, but it's still broader than a single camera show mm-hmm. where the audience is so much closer. Um, so I feel like that was a great way to kind of shift in. Also, Jason Bateman was my director on this pilot and he's, I wow. know. <laughs> wow. I know. <laughs> I love him. He gave me like things that I still carry with me back from 2008, like, you know, okay, she's saying this one thing, but can it be something underneath that you're thinking so that she's a little manipulative, but don't show that you are so that there's a reveal. And I was like, Oh, whoa, you just went like deeper than I think I've ever thought about with this like bubbly kind of character. So um, that was cool, but he did this thing. So multi-camera is like friends and everybody loves Raymond where there's like multiple cameras. So you have to figure out which one is your camera 
to cheat to just like, instead of like for stage, you're cheating to the entire audience. You're cheating to this camera. So you make sure that your shoulders are squared off to that camera. Cause mm-hmm. that's your audience essentially. And so I was just flying by the seat of my pants, like just making it up as I went. And he was so kind and said, if you hear me say your name, just turn to where my voice is. And he would go to wherever the camera was I was supposed to cheat to so that I would then cheat. And so like during the rehearsal, it was a fun way, like fun way for me to learn. Yeah. And then yeah. I knew, you know, yeah, because it just turned into blocking then at that point. But, so thoughtful, yeah. so thoughtful. That is awesome. And now that I think about it, I don't think he said my name because he didn't want to embarrass me. Like he was just very, 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 very kind. Mm-hmm. He would, he like said something, I'm sure, something that would grab my attention. There was even like a plus size joke in it. And he looked at the writers and was like, we don't need this. Is it, Has that been one of like your favorite directors to work with in, in like the many projects that you've done? He's probably one of my favorite directors. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just did WandaVision with Matt Shackman, who's um, just like the most positive, supportive, lets you play and feel safe making mistakes, laughs at it. Yeah. And like you laugh at yourself and then he's like, yeah, but let's do it this way. And it's just, it's fun. Like he made it so fun and made me feel so confident as an actor. Yeah. I really appreciate like when a creative team or director is just kind of like to make it feel so low risk to the team just takes all of that edge away from like, oh my gosh, we're spending so much money and this we're paying all these people and we have to do all this stuff. And it's like, so it can be so scary, you know, <laughs> like you don't want to mess up, <laughs> but yeah. to like make it low risk, I think it just allows people to just relax and like, they got hired for a reason. So to just do what they're there to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he def- that's, that's exactly what he did. Like there's, you know, stunts going on and people running and moving parts and cars and this and that. And like, you just kind of feel like you're like watching a game. Like, I don't know. It yeah. just, it really didn't feel that serious. And it allowed you to sit in what was going on in the scene as opposed to Having to think. Yeah. Yeah, that's the best. Of all the roles that you've played, I mean, you've played so many different characters. What is your most favorite character that you've ever played on film or stage? Oh, on stage, (laughs) you added that. (laughs) I'm not going to let you slide easily. (laughs) Can I separate them? Sure. Okay, let's do stage and then film. Okay. Oh man. Okay. Stage. I played Bloody Mary in my high school production of South Pacific. Oh my gosh. I was like emulating like my grandmother. It was amazing. And like she came to watch it and was like, that's my granddaughter. I'm like, no, that's you. That's you right there. Um, so that was, that was super fun. And I actually, um, I, took, I was doing this, um, vocal competition for called the British arts awards. And I took, um, I think Bally high to London to compete in a vocal competition and took first place for the U S. And so that was super fun with that song. So I guess like I have like a, yeah, a soft spot for that character. Um, so for, Oh no, for on camera, like, can I do two? 
Yeah. <laughs> yes. <Okay>. Yes. <laughs> so that Jason Bateman directed show was called Do Not Disturb with Niecy Nash, Jerry O'Connell, Dave Franco, Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Yeah. He did Modern Family like the next year. Um, my character was an aspiring singer at a hotel who had to work in the basement because she was plus size and wasn't aesthetically pleasing to the guests. Mm. And so she's trying to break into stardom, but like everyone's like just pushing her down, pushing her down, but mm. she fights through the stereotypes. And like the writing was so funny. Like I had a monologue on a multi-camera comedy about my mom stabbing her boss. Like oh. it was just <gasps> It was so funny. It was so fun. And my character was so insane. It was like, it was great. And just like multi-camera, the mm. second take, they come and they change your lines. Mm-hmm. So it's like super on the fly, super play. So that was like an incredible experience for me. And then mm. I got to do a show called Gigantic on T Nickelodeon where I played um, A-listers kids. Like it's all the A-lister kids. <laughs> so I got to drive like, they're like, this car's half a million. Just be careful. I'm like, what? You're putting, you're putting the Asian girl behind a half a million dollar car? <laughs> Are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> That's on you. All right. But I... I was the oldest, so I think that maybe was why. But, like, I was driving Mercedes, Beamers, Porsches, like, just things that I could never afford. Like, um, so it was in, it was crazy, crazy insane. And this character was, a, like, wild card. And I got to work with some, like, lovely people. Um, Fred Savage directed. Um, it was just – it was super – it was super fun. It's like the last, almost the last teenage role I played. So tell us about working on set because one thing that we talked about yesterday was that when you were on set for Orange is the New Black, you said it was not as glamorous as it seems. And I think that people sometimes think that when you book these like really big jobs like Orange is the New Black, that you're like, put up in this amazing hotel and everything is fantastic and you have nothing to worry about because you're on a Netflix special original show and it's beautiful. So tell us the reality. I totally wish our listeners could see Jolene's face right now because her facial expression truly, truly describes how she feels. So sometimes you work on projects and you're in Maui in like an amazing hotel room and there's room service and like, yet I'm still washing my clothes in the bathtub. Like I'm stomping grapes because it's too expensive (laughs) for laundry for me. And I'm still like, um, like they're hang drying on my balcony right now. I'm sure like all of this, like rich clientele is like, what the heck is that girl doing? Um, She's keeping it real. She's keeping it real. Yes, sister. (laughs) But the funny thing is I wasn't the person that thought of it. It was someone else. It was Steve Zahn is like, I'm doing sink laundry. It's come to this. Um, (laughs) and like someone else got a toaster oven and they have like a little ramekin because they figured out they could make eggs in the ramekin in the toaster oven and then toast 
and they could like heat up like chicken or, or something in a toaster oven as opposed to a microwave. So we're like freaking camping at the Four Seasons <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's insane. But this is like, this is the good. This is like the, the glamorous part, right? Because orange was like, oh, orange was a whole different beast. Like I was a super fan to start with. So I like snuck around all the sets and had to like, had to like picture like them shooting it before even starting to work on it because I was obsessed. Um, but then actually working on it, we like go into our bunks and it's filthy. Like <laughs> I had to get under one of the bunks in one of the scenes. And let me tell you what color everything was after, <laughs> like just bunnies, sneezing attacks. Like it's dirt, it's dirty. They like they keep it real, like it's method. Um I tried to get under the sheets and all the actors were like, no, 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 no. That's not authentic to prison life. You can't get under your sheets. And I really thought I was in prison because the way that they were like, like, so like, no, you can't like, it's, you're going to get like, I don't know, yelled at by the officers or something. They like, they were scared to get under sheets there. So (laughs) I, it was a learning curve. I definitely had to like learn Mm -hmm. the way of, prison. Um, and because there's like a million cast members Mm -hmm. and it's New York and a New York soundstage is much different than an LA soundstage. You know, everything in New York is vertical and everything in LA is horizontal. So like you had to climb five flights of stairs to get to your dressing room Mm -hmm. and for them to build enough dressing rooms, they had to build dressing rooms in dressing rooms. Mm -hmm. So we were like in (laughs) like, Six, no, like maybe five by five plywood cubbies. Mm. That was our, our dressing room. Mm-hmm. But luckily in New York, most of the actors are theater actors. And so we just turned the hallways into the green room. And none of us had yes. to sit in our little cubicles because we couldn't even lay down in them, honestly. Um, and uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a good time. It was definitely uh, less glamorous than... Maui, but still so good. <laughs> okay, so yesterday you mentioned about the time you felt the, the walls closing in on you after forgetting one of your lines while performing on Aladdin. Because here's the thing, like for me, I love bloopers and things that happen on stage. And those are like the memorable things that will always stick out. So I want to know, you know, if you can share with us if you have other blooper stories from, you know, other productions you were in that you can share with all of us. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Um, <laughs> uh, there's just the best bloopers are in theater, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I got stuck on stage when I was doing props in high school. I experimented and tried to do every facet of theater just to see if there was something else that like, I was more inclined to do. I just don't function in the real world, so it didn't happen. Um, but I got stuck on stage for an entire act because I couldn't set a scene fast enough. And that's when I was like, that's not my calling. Um, I was playing Jane and Peter Pan and the tech forgot to hook me to fly. Oh no. And <laughs> no. The lights came up and I, Peter Pan, how old was I? Jane, not even Wendy, Jane. I was like third grade maybe. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, I was like, oh gosh. Uh, uh, so I like walked out as the lights were starting to come up. I like took the second and I like ran out to behind the bed and I was like, okay, what do I do now? I'm not hooked. I, Peter's about to fly. Uh, 
so I just pretended to sleepwalk into bed and was like, I guess we'll figure it out. At least I could say lines. I might not fly. It's like, plus size Jane might not fly. Like, I don't know. Um, so I, the bed broke, hit me in the foot before I could get to into the bed. I'm laying in the bed. Texts come out to fix the bed while the scene's going on. The audience is laughing. I'm blind to everything. And then he goes, we're going to hook you. Just stick your back to the bed. So I had to stand there while saying my lines and like have (laughs) this guy hooking me. And then all of a sudden it was the cue for me to fly, but I wasn't in the right place. Thank (gasps) God he finished hooking me. This is children's theater at its finest. Um, And I flew, knocked over a lamp, ran into the other bedpost. It was like, boom, boom, boom. Like the audience is dying laughing. I'm mortified. Um, I finally like landed, thank God. And like, I don't even know what happened after that. It was just like (laughs) game over. Game over. So is that what you miss from uh, theater? The bloopers? (laughs) I miss being flown into set pieces, <laughs> like have feeling like the walls are closing in on me. Yes, that's, that's the part that I miss. No, um, <laughs> I do. Like anything can happen. You have to be able to just go with it. And that's what's great about theater is it's alive. It's in the moment. Um, and you get that like instant gratification of like applause. Yeah. You know, like I'll finish a scene and most of the times they're like, okay, moving on. And you're like. yeah yeah so but if they don't say anything to you it means great because otherwise we'd have to do it again Mm -hmm. so I take my gratification now when I only get like two takes I'm like oh I was on it it was great no one said anything (laughs) I only got two takes that means I killed it (laughs) it's very strange was there ever a time where you were like you know what I've done theater ever since I was a kid, but I don't think I want to do it anymore. Has there ever been a time where you were like, I don't want to do entertainment? I've tried to quit a few times, actually. Mm-hmm. So uh, right before booking Donnie Darko, I tried to quit because there were some girls in my children's theater group that in blackouts would come up to me and say, don't go out there. You're going to embarrass yourself. You're terrible. Like they were awful. And growing up, my mom always said, when it's not fun, like it's time to be done because this is supposed to be fun. And like, Mm -hmm. thank God for her saying that because I literally came off stage crying and I was like, it's not fun. It's not fun. And I remember finding my mom and being like, it's not fun. It's not fun. And I literally walked off stage and was done like Mm -hmm. that day. Mm -hmm. And then I did Donnie Darko. So it's like, (laughs) so then I like just came straight back into it. Yeah. Um, same thing. Uh, my senior year, I applied to all these colleges, mm-hmm. didn't get into like one. And so I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm not doing this anymore. I'll go be a teacher. That's great. It's fine. It's good. Um, but then I booked Aladdin. Mm-hmm. So like a week before classes started. So then I was like, okay, I'm back into this. And then I wasn't booking anything. I was singing at Aladdin for a while, but I wasn't booking anything. And I Went back to school to finish up my AA to transfer to Cal State Long Beach, which I got accepted. And I was like, yes, I'm going to like sing at Disney. It's fun. It's good money. And I'm going to be a teacher and I'm going to like work it all out. Mm -hmm. And then I booked a musical and I had to quit school. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it just keeps sucking me 
back in. Mm -hmm. And even just right before in 2020, I decided to finally just get my degree online because I was like, there's, I just need to have a degree. So Mm -hmm. I got a business degree. um, And I was like, I can then take the CBEST and start substitute teaching when I'm not working. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Cut to 2020, everything shuts down. I can't take the CBEST test. And now I'm booking. So I'm like, I don't even have time to go do that. So every time I try to quit, man, I just should try to quit more often. I think I'm done. (laughs) After this show, I'm done. Do you think that's the hustle? Like you're going to be quitting so that you can start? Is that your hustle? Is that how you get the jobs? It's like I've learned the less you care, the Mm -hmm. more you work. Mm, Yeah. So that's the hustle is like being busy outside of this so that this doesn't define you and it's not your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's the thing that you're meant to do, right? I mean, if it just keeps sucking you back in and if that's where you feel the best, right? Like you feel at home and like that's your thing, then that is your thing, right? And so it's like being in the zone. It's like you're in the zone, you're doing your thing and then everything else, it doesn't matter as long as you're doing your job. That's awesome. I've also realized like I'm not qualified to do anything else. <laughs> like I've tried. Like Target was like, "No, no thank you." <laughs> like my friend, I was like, "Hey, can I like get a job as a PA?" and they're like, "No, you're terrible." Like no. <laughs> um my husband like, "Yeah, mm, I don't know." <laughs> I don't know. So maybe trying to be a teacher and being in charge of other people's kids, they'll be like, yeah, not her. Mm. <laughs> I feel like I failed at life. Like I might book jobs, but I fail at life. <laughs> and most actors are like that, right? I mean, you guys know most actors that can't do things by themselves. They just <laughs> it just takes a lot of like guidance. Yes. Like, let me lead you to the right answer. <laughs> That's that's why my friend was like, you can't be a PA because you can't ask questions and you can't do anything without asking questions because you're an actor. So no. Like, oh, okay. All right. But he's not wrong. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We all have our strengths that we we play into, you know? I'd, I'd rather my strength be at life than acting. <laughs> no. I'm just thinking my way through life. I really have no life skills. I think we all are sometimes, to be quite honest with you. We don't know oh, what we're doing. We're all just oh, winging it. Especially during this time. <laughs> we're just winging it. Especially during this time. Oh, man. Yeah. So tell us about the reality of being in this industry as a person of color, like, and uh, the audition process. Like, I know that you mentioned in the very beginning of your career that agent wouldn't represent you because they said you're ethnic and you're of your plus size and, but then you booked work. So what has that experience been like for you? It's been a roller coaster. Um, because like I was too Asian to do sound of music and too white to do King and I. So it's Mm -hmm. like, I, I just don't know where I, I land, but as I got older and I worked with some like seasoned actors and singers, I realized like, I I don't need to try and fit in the box. Like I create my own box and I have all these other things that someone 
else isn't going to have because these are the things that make me unique. These are the things that make me stand out. And instead of trying to hide them and dim that aspect, mm-hmm. I can celebrate them and actually use them. So I used to go into a room, my, my reps and my casting director fans, like bring me in for anything. So I can get like, oh, this person's 60 years old, come in for this. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Or this person is um, African-American, come in for this. And I'm like, mm, um, <laughs> like, but it's just out of the box casting, you know, truly diverse casting. Yeah. So when they, when they were bringing me in for like the hot blonde women, it was, it was intimidating to sit there and look at a bunch of like hot actresses. I was like, well, this isn't going to go well. Or like I go into an Asian call and I'm like, well, this isn't going to go well. Like same kind of thing in a different way. Um, Until I finally got to the point where I realized I don't have to do anything to stand out. Like literally I'm going to just stand out and I just get to shine. Mm-hmm. And they either want it or they don't. And yeah. so many times now, casting directors will bring me in to be the out of the box for producers to see like, I know you envisioned it this way, but look what it could be. Mm. And I don't book every time they do that, but I've booked enough now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Gigantic, I think, was written as African-American mm. and they made us adopted. But yeah, so now it's like, I like own it. And when I go in and I test for shows and things, it's like what they thought they wanted and me. (laughs) (laughs) But again, it's like they either want me or they don't. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do you um, sometimes experience a little bit of bullying these days? Like, I know that that was like in your past, but do you ever come across any type of you know, comfortable situations. <laughs> my three-year-old is a bully. I feel bullied by my three-year-old. They're tough. <laughs> On the daily. They don't care. They don't care. They're, they're little honey badgers. They're like, mm, I don't care. I don't care. I spilled my milk. I don't care. Like, oh, man. Yeah, I want that toy. I don't care. Like, oh. Yeah. No, I feel bullied by my three-year-old. And actually... She, I am so proud of her. She is this strong, people will say spirited, um, <laughs> little girl with an amazing sense of humor. So smart. Like she's just, she's a miracle, but she also has bullying tendencies that I've started to see. So I'm like, I'm glad I've raised a confident, strong woman, but she's, she also needs to have a little humility. So like, yeah. <laughs> I'm quick. I'm quick to be like, uh, 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 no, we're going to share. We're going to, you know, let's practice. We're not good at it. Let's practice, you know, these things, <laughs> but there still, there still are some bullies. I worked on a show where an actress didn't want to say certain lines. And so she would go and change the lines so that I would have to say the stuff she didn't want to have to say, like all the science stuff. I ended up sounding like Bill Nye, the science guy. And like <laughs> I, one day she came up and she's like, okay, so here's what your new line is going to be. And I was like, I'm going to wait for a writer to tell me that that's what my line is because that's his job. Um, so I, I now have the confidence 
in knowing. Yeah. And also miraculously, a couple episodes later, I died. So um, uh, <laughs> I think she won. I think she won. But then I left that show and did Orange. So uh, uh, wash. You know. <laughs> saying what's meant to be is meant to be right Right? I actually like I died off of that show and it was amazing death scene like I loved it like shot and burnt alive and all this stuff and I was like yes that's the best way to go um and then I booked a show that made more money and shot down the street like in downtown LA and I was like yeah it was time to leave that show for this (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. You just keep it moving. That's the hard thing is you have to see the end goal. Yeah. You know, the job isn't the end goal because the job is going to end. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of the job, right? That's part of the job. That's, that's the job. Yeah. One gig, then you go to the next. Yeah. Yeah. Job. Yeah. I think that's like the misconception, you know, where it's like you've booked one job, so you've like instantly made it. And then, but that's not, that's not the business. You know, that's not entertainment. It jobs end. And so you have to keep going. Well, and the other thing that's really great for anyone to have is like, at the end of the day, when I leave the set and I come home, the job has ended. And my husband makes sure that I know the job. Has ended. <laughs> so like, have, have that life that grounds you inside yeah. this, uh, because it's so easy to get wrapped up in, in this, you know, mm-hmm. people yeah. getting breakfast people asking you if you'd like water and like, they're not doing it because they care about you. They're doing it because it's their job and B because like they want you to stay close to set. And if you wander, then you're like little cattle and like sheep just going places. It's like easier for them to just get the water for you and you stay there. Mm -hmm. So once I realized like, oh, it's not, it's not that it's bougie. It's that it's part of the job. It was like, oh, okay. this is cool. This is, I get this. She's doing her job. It's not like demeaning or whatever. It's more demeaning in the fact that actors can't be trusted to <laughs> go anywhere. <laughs> I, my husband, I don't know why he married an actor. Like, I don't know. I remember when we were dating, I was like, this PA is really nice to me and I really want to hang out with him. And like, I'm not saying I'm going to cheat on you. And he's like, no, go for it. He's being paid to be nice to you. I'm not being paid. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's the difference. So like, you, have, you have to have a sense of humor about all of this. But that was, that was like, A, it was kind of hot. Um, and like, B, like it was true. You have to have people that will speak truth and, and help you stay in the reality of what the world is because your job is to not live in that reality. Mm -hmm. So finding that duality is, is challenging and it's like the pendulum swinging. You're always not quite center. Um, but the close, as close as you can get and just continue trying is, is the goal. So I think that leads to words of wisdom. (laughs) Those are great words of wisdom, but what other ones do you have? (laughs) I feel like there's always a couple things I say. It's like, number one, if there's anything else that you are good at, do it. Don't do this. <laughs> because trust me, I've tried. I've tried to find those other things. Um, I don't know. Like my grandfather said growing up, your worth is what you make it. And so um, that's something that I, that I stick with too. Like other people can try and make you worthless, but you're allowing them 
you don't have to bring yourself down to lift other people up. So it like gives me more freedom to like lift other people up, which brings me so much joy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think I was a little self-deprecating, but now I'm like, okay, no, your worth is what you make it and you can lift people up. Mm-hmm. Two things can be true at once. Yes. Still yes. trying to learn that. I love that. Your whole journey is inspiring, Jolene. Seriously. I mean, you are such an amazing woman. I love your personality. You're so infectious. I absolutely adore you. You are amazing. You are a powerhouse woman. And this is going to be a great episode. You're wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. If you'd like to follow Jolene on social media, you can follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Jojo Purdy. Yes, and please make sure you're subscribed to all of our podcast platforms. And hey, while you're at it, go ahead and write us a quick little review on whichever platform you use to stream. We love hearing from you. We post new episodes of What the Fun podcast every other Friday. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone.